There's an old saying in Tennessee, I know it's in Texas, probably in Tennessee, that says, fool me once, shame on, shame on you. If fool me, we can't get fooled again. Hey, welcome to this week's episode of Say What You Mean. I am Jeff. I'm your other host, Jake, and this is our first guest ever on Say What You Mean podcast, Matthew Reeves. Shalom. <laughs> What's up, dude? Not much, man. You excited? As excited as I can be. You're, you're our first guest, dude. It's awesome. Um, so I wanted to start off, our first episode we talked about how the two of us met, and you were involved in that story. And Jake says that you forced yourself on him. So this is your chance to uh, defend to yourself. set the record. I feel like that's a bold thing to say from Jake. <laughs> I think what I actually did was, so we were in Peabody's um, European Expansion Overseas class. And it was my first capstone. It was like my first semester. You guys had that school. class too? Yeah. yeah. Oh, and China? Yeah. And Pacific Northwest? Yeah. yeah. Dang. Okay. And so Jake seemed like a smart guy but he didn't say much so i was like yep. i just wanted to like someone in case like i didn't know when our assignment was due or something to just be like hey bro is this assignments due that's literally all i had for an intent but yeah. apparently that was forcing myself upon mm-hmm. jake well how, how did it go down well he, he was fine he was like oh yeah cool no problem and that's all i asked were you just well, like no then hey you're then, mine no and then he <laughs> then he followed and then we started talking and he just we i guess i didn't know he was we were both in China together mm. and we were, we were walking yeah. and talking and then heading the exact same direction. Oh, and I'm like, man, okay. this guy's just not leaving. <laughs> yeah. And then we ended up walking into the same door together. So I guess, no, I wasn't walking. Well, what was <laughs> happening in my mind was I'm walking to class and you wouldn't leave. Oh. Yeah. So the table has turned, <laughs> dear sir. Well, 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 um, well. And so then we talked about how um, you and I met through studying for China yeah, you guys were studying. Yeah, you guys there. were studying for that exam. Um, but I think my first interaction and thought, and I haven't was told the this sa- story. Was the salmon yeah, I'm gonna tell that story real quick. So, uh, as our listeners know, um, Jake and I and Matt had Pacific Northwest. We were studying. Yeah, we were studying for that class. No, China. No. We were studying for China, but we also did have sp- Pacific Northwest together. The Pacific necklace North. happened before that, though. Oh yeah, it was like the th- second day. So it, we all had Pacific Northwest history together, and. Um, I had just switched over to history from English and, um, I was a little insecure about being a history major because it's, it's, it's a way different way of thinking, way different way of writing and analysis. So as I said, uh, in previous episodes, you know, with English training, I looked too deep into things and I'm always looking for a deeper meaning. And our professor had showed us this Ted talk with a native American woman and she had this, uh, this beaded necklace on and and it was this uh it was awesome salmon beaded necklace that she made by hand and she also because her microphone needed this battery she's wearing this massive battery and it's under or over the salmon necklace or something um and i was thinking the whole time like that has got to be so uncomfortable like why didn't she just like take her necklace off so our professor asked us you know what we thought about the video and i'm thinking too deep about things and I'm, I'm, I'm saying I raise my hand and I'm like wow you know I noticed that she's 
she's wearing this huge battery and it's in the way and it's got to be uncomfortable but you know that necklace and the and the symbol of the salmon meant so much to her that she was you know she she powered through it and and wore it and then my professor was like oh okay yeah anybody else and matt raises his hand and he's like it's a salmon and our professor looks at and she she goes that's exactly right to be fair, let the record show, <laughs> one, I didn't say it like that. I just said, it's a salmon. And right. two, you know what tribe she was from? I don't. The Chinook. Oh, okay. What's the Chinook? Dude, I a don't salmon. Remember. Well, right. No, I know that now, but at the time, I wanted to you went, rip your n- you throat out. You went down out. a like, pseudo-intellectual like path of like down the rabbit <laughs> Not hole. Not pseudo. Not pseudo. Okay, intellectual. If it was an English class, we would have looked at the deeper meanings of things. Yeah, but that's... The thing is, there's no deeper meaning from the Chinook okay, tribe wearing a true. salmon. Yes, that is true. I got to point A, from point A to point B yes. on a dime. Okay, and so now that I've graduated uh, with my history degree, I understand that. Just give us the facts. Yeah. Yeah. We don't care about oh, that. Oh, so that means, uh, so you are a history major. Yeah. And what's your minor? Poli sci. Yeah. So I'm sitting here with two poli sci minors. And something yeah. wrong with that? No, no, not at all. Just yeah. uh, you guys are both a part of the uh, empire. I mean, to be fair, the empire is kind of collapsing. So, right, we're, we joined at a very difficult. Anyways, time. so I hated your guts. Fair enough. You hated Camus. Yeah, I you went on do. a huge spiel about Camus in that class. I just said I hated them. Oh, you were passionate about it. Yeah, I am passionate about my <laughs> hatred for Camus. And if there's anyone watching from Camus, fuck off. Whoa. <laughs> okay, I like it. Um, I hate so that's, I mean, and then since then, I mean, the last three years, we all became close friends and studied and. Indeed. I became friends with the salmon guy. Yeah. And yeah, and I got through that entire class without saying a word out loud. You got through every class without saying that's a word true. out loud. Except for maybe Dr. Lopez's. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. That's very true. You're yeah, always super quiet in classes though. I don't yeah. know why. Because you're the smartest person in it. It's like it's like his uh his presentation senior year. He's like, well, I don't, I don't know about time. And then he gets up there and just owns it yeah. and goes over time. But to be fair, people were telling Jake he went like 15 minutes over yeah. jake went at best five to seven minutes over well 10 minutes total yeah no but i'm saying he went five to seven minutes over that so it was like probably like a 15 minute presentation it was good if it, it was, was great presentation. if it was only 15 minutes then i'm i feel like i'm okay yeah no it was fine. because um some other people didn't use their entire time right right you just filled it up. I You're just like, filled it oh, up. This is my chance to rock Not this. even that. Yeah. You, did, you just had a better presentation than pretty much anyone else. Which, to be fair, the bar wasn't set that high. <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's, a true, that's a true statement. Yeah. So, um, before we get into some other things that we brought here, Matt, uh, brought Matt here to talk about, um, I wanted to talk about something kind of fun. Okay. Uh, Jake and I have talked about previously, you know, um, I'm interested in, in different, and in how people get into different things. Um, just looking at, you know, why is why does that person do that? Or why is this person like Jake told a story uh, on our first episode about um, how he would run on a, an elliptical every time the Jets were down t- to <laughs> try to hope that they would get the lead. Okay. It's my favorite story ever. J- so Jake has a ton of I just love Jake. I adore him. Yeah. And a lot of this podcast so far has been me kind of outing. <laughs> His things. <laughs> My little weird idiosyncrasies. Yes. Yeah. So so this topic that I want to talk about is mostly to get to, to out Jake on something. But I was wondering if you had oh anything. Oh, God. What are, you, what are you setting me up for? <laughs> he, he doesn't tell me what he's going to bring up. I never before, tell him. So he's like, I want it to be organic. So then, yeah. So, so I'm going into this blind. Okay. So do you want to start with your, your quirk or should we start? 
have Matt answer it before I ask you. You go, you go for it, man. You got, you've got it in your head. Okay. I remember you kind of telling us the story, and I, I, you can tell the specifics again, but you have I, – I put down irrational fears as the topic. <laughs> <laughs> I know Whoa. what it is. You know what it is? Yeah. Do you know what it is, Jake? I, I think so. What is it? I have a lot of irrational fears. Okay, you tell Talk me. about the one where I don't want to lose a limb? Yeah. Yes. Oh, okay. <laughs> I don't think that's that bad. It's, no, it's not, but it's just like the way you set it up that day was like – well, was it the Patriot we were talking about? The movie The Patriot, where like someone loses a limb and like yeah, that freaked me out <laughs> as a kid. I couldn't finish watching that movie because that dude got his leg blown off by a cannonball. Right, but now it's something you think about all the time. <laughs> <laughs> all the time, dude. A lot, at least a lot, man. It's an it's. I can't imagine like life with like missing a limb. Like but you right. need a prosthetic. Like it's so not that bad. I think we asked you at the time. I know people get through it all the time, and they're <laughs> incredibly brave people. Sure but like, I no. just like that's just no. <laughs> yeah. My gosh. And like, it's from that movie. Do you think it, it's it's founded in that movie? No, I think that just. I guess I, at that point I didn't know that was possible or something. Uh, like, so okay. it's like I was like, oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> I love that you knew what where I was going, yeah. Matt. That's yeah. funny. Uh, yeah, I love that about you. Yeah, I mean, I've had I've had dreams recently that I can remember where like I lose limbs mm-hmm. and then like I like I I make peace with it in my dream right. and then I wake up thinking like you know I'm I kind of like wake up and then like I realize oh I have all my limbs. You do the pat down to make sure everything's yeah. I ca- it's <laughs> it's it's crazy. It is super crazy. Matt, do you have any? fears i mean i have fears but i don't think any of them are like irrational well like what um i'm afraid of sharks are you afraid of getting a bee no i've gotten <laughs> bees i'm just kidding no i think i think my biggest fear is probably either like you said sharks sharks yeah okay but it's because like and i'm not saying like it's irrational like i'm not thinking like i'm gonna walk down like the right street and all of a sudden like a shark yeah get shanked by a yeah. shark it's like i think because when i was in hawaii i think it was like my senior year mm-hmm. of high school yeah, because yeah. it was my graduation, so we went. Me and my best friend went to Hawaii, and we, uh, I jumped off the. It's like the southernmost point of the U.S., mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. so I just wanted to say I could do it. And it's a big oh, drop; okay. it's like forty feet. Oof! And like into the ocean. Yeah, Damn. and then my buddy said, "Like, oh, I think I saw a shark out there," and I was like, and then I found out what? his. Yeah, but like, <laughs> and his family's all from Hawaii. They're all right. they're Hawaiians, and and his grandpa told us like two months later that that, that spots, the Ooh. where most shark attacks occur in hawaii okay and so i was like from then on i was like no but how often do you go to the ocean in the ocean not not frequently (laughs) i mean like it's not something that i'm like oh every time i go to like to like the oregon coast i'm like screw this sharks are everywhere i'm not like that do you go into the oregon coast yeah you go in the ocean yeah yeah like i'm not that afraid of them but it's like at the same time like if I'm in the ocean and a shark's coming at me, it's done. Right. Like you, like they say, like if you punch it in the eye, you punch it in the nose, it'll right. like run off. Gouge so it. No, you'll be dead by then. Yeah. If it gets its mouth on you and tears off your leg, like one, we're living like, through Jake's Jake's yep. nightmare. But then we're also like, you're just gonna bleed out. Like you're not gonna be able to swim back, like stumpy, you know, yeah. and able to like paddle back. So I done. think I think what we also determined through your fear is that Jake is also afraid of sharks. <laughs> <laughs> well, yes, he's afraid yeah. of the outcome. Yeah, I don't I don't like. Um, Going in the ocean. Do you have other fears other than losing a limb? I think it all might stem from losing a limb because I yeah. don't like wading in the ocean because I'm afraid like yeah. a shark's going to come up and grab Are my Are you leg. afraid to like 
fix a lawnmower or something. Oh, I do have one irrational uh, fear of the ocean. Yeah, like I don't like. Oh, you remember like Final Destination uh, two, where the guy is like he drops like his key or his ring down the garbage disposal. Yeah, yeah. And he's like reaching in there, and it shows like the uh, it shows the blades, and he's like uh, and you're messing just, like, around with the blades. Yeah, and you're expecting like it's gonna cut off all his hands and his fingers, but it doesn't. That set you off. Yeah. How do you feel oh, about that? Gosh, that was. What if someone gets, loses a limb in a movie, like in like an Avengers movie or something, or like just some superhero movie? Dude, or, like, I, I get super queasy. Do you really? Uh, mm-hmm. Whoa! <laughs> I didn't know. Th- so like when Luke gets his arm chopped off by Darth Vader, you're like, no, yeah, too no. much. <laughs> what about a robot hand? Would you? Could you handle a robot hand? Well, it's kind of sad. Is it no, though? it's Luke's could like crush things. Yeah, but it's not natural. It looked pretty natural. I don't know. He wore a glove. Yeah. Yeah, but then you, you got to look down like you just know like you, that's not an organic hand. You're not. Like it's, it's not, not your me. hand. You're not it's fully not a human. A monster. Like no, I'm, I'm not. I don't want to be insensitive to people who have had accidents. Well, yeah, obviously. Well, yeah, no, that's not what you're <laughs> it's just you're afraid of it's just it's i love it it's the main reason why it well there's several reasons why uh-huh. i didn't join the military but that's probably like one of the main main oh, things like interesting out of high school it's like oh i couldn't have met because of i you know you had so many yeah you know, oh yeah you know amputees today interesting mm-hmm. you said you had another fear matt yeah i realized it is a rational one it's only one i also had surrounding hawaii uh-huh. was i heard this story on shark week which didn't involve sharks okay it involved jellyfish and oh. a dude swallowed a jellyfish. It was like a super small one, and they're like unbelievably poisonous. Mm-hmm. And he like died. He swallowed it. Yeah, but it wasn't like no. I'm, we're talking like it's oh. like the size of like the tip of your thumb. Okay, okay, okay. Like it's super small. Yeah, yeah. And he swallowed it, and he died. <gasps> and um, that was one thing I was like, don't swallow the water. <laughs> don't swallow the water. But at the same time, like that's a very irrational right. thing. But I, even if that's not something that I'm like that keeps me up at night for sure. For, like I don't have really any fears that keep me up at night. I guess I will say that mine. I'll ask you guys first. Are you guys afraid of the dark? No. <laughs> At all? I live in the dark. Yeah, I'm, I'm, no. I'm afraid of the dark. Yeah. No. Okay, I thanks, I actually Jay. like the dark. Okay, but I mean, like, you're like in the night. woods, or you're walking through, like, downtown Portland? Uh, downtown Portland, probably. Okay, so I was... I grew up in Portland, yeah. and I don't know, but I've, I've had this conversation with somebody at some point in my life, but I know that when I'm walking somewhere dark, do you ever, like crunch your shoulders up to your ears i try to puff myself out so i look swole <laughs> and people are scared of me because like i'm a tall guy and like yeah. i don't think anyone's gonna come up and like right fight, like try to stab me but at the same time like people are crazy and what about you jake you know what i'm talking about when you put your shoulders up to your ears yeah like, no yeah no, i know exactly what it's you're almost like about. an automatic response i don't yeah, know i don't know like i've i've been down to my parents like growing up like being in my parents basement and then like you got to turn off the lights on your way back up. So yeah. like you turn the light off and then you run upstairs <laughs> yeah. like as fast as you can because you just you can feel like something right. behind you. Yeah, you just, that that. Yeah. So yeah, when you like so I, this conversation I had before with somebody, you know, we were talking about how it's almost automatic for like our shoulders to go up like that. And uh, I, I wish I could remember who it was, but his theory was that it was something you know genetically ingrained into us to protect our necks. So whenever we're in a dark place, we're putting our shoulders up to protect our neck. So I've I've always thought about that whenever I'm creeping huh. in the dark. That's interesting. That. <laughs> Am I boring you? <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's your story long, it's, sucks. It's been a long day. Yeah. 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 Okay, we'll just kick it into gear then. Sorry for boring you. No, you're good. We can keep talking. No, about I'm this. gonna set the tea up. I'll let you go. I'm no. I'm afraid. I'm afraid of like someone stealing my dog. I'm afraid of someone yawning during my story. 
irrational fear of boredom. Yeah. No, oh I'm, my gosh. I, I apologize. No, no Actually, apology. now that you said, there is one last irrational fear I do have, and it's uh, silence. Like, I'm not saying, like, uh, little quiet. I'm saying, I like, will say, I think I've and noticed like, that about not you. not, like, in the dark. And not even, I know, like, in conversations, yeah. you don't, like, awkward silence. It's something different. It's like, just imagine, like, you wake up in your house thinking, like, your family's there, and you mm-hmm. hear nothing. Mm-hmm. Like, just dead nothing. Mm-hmm. No cars on the street. Like, just right. that absolute quiet. I, it's it's more unsettling. Mm-hmm. And I'm just, like, I'm just thinking something's up. You know, yeah, I don't know. Like, I just hate that. Yeah, I think, I think I've had pets for so long that... I've never really been, you know, entirely mm. quiet, but I would imagine that's yeah. Creepy. It happened once. I woke up and like, cause it was back in like high school. And my grandma lived with us, mm-hmm. and like I'd always hear her. You're boring, Jake, dude. Yawning, you Are you yawning please. again? No, I'm not. I didn't Jake yawn. Jake hates you. I, know. I didn't yawn. <laughs> oh God. Oh, this is amazing. Shame. Well. Not even a yawn was at my house. Like, I know it was dead quiet, and I was like, "But people were there." Yeah, so I don't oh. know what that was all about. Like my grandma was there, and like, well, maybe they're just trying to be respectful. No, I thought she was dead. Sleeping. What? Yeah, I thought because no, because like you always hear my grandma like shuffling around or like doing <laughs> something, and I was like, "The grandma shuffle." The grandma shuffle, and yeah. I went down there, and she was fine. But I was like, "Make some noise, damn it!" Yeah, like, yeah. Just well, no, because sometimes it'll be quiet, and one time she fell. Oh, and like got really hurt. Wait. And did she cry out for help? She, well, like, we couldn't hear her. Oh. She kind of, like, I don't know if she knocked herself out, but she, like, <laughs> no, she, no, like, she had a bad cut on her head. Oh, jeez. And, like, it was serious. Yeah. And then she, like, must have bumped her, like, life alert uh. thing. Oh, she, I was going to ask if she yeah. had life alert. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. why did you smile when you said that? Like, some <laughs> sadistic freak. <laughs> he looked off into the distance. <laughs> like, he enjoys life alert. No, it's <laughs> just, have you seen the commercial yeah, for life alert? Yeah, of course. Yeah. The, they have, like, it's like the I infomercial thing. I've fallen and I can't get up. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. That's what I was thinking of when I said that. Well, I'm sorry. It happened to my grandma and she needed help. He she was got just stitches. smiling, dude. You're a sadistic oh, person. Yeah. I'm terrible today. But, um, you are terrible yawning. today. I'm no, making, I'm making yeah. light of his grandma, like almost dying. No, you're making no, light she of didn't life almost alert. Die, but like, it was a she had a nasty cut on her head. And, Speaking of like you know. those infomercials, have you seen that little thing that puts your socks on for you? Yeah, that's ridiculous. <laughs> I think I saw it on the Joe Rogan podcast or something like that. Oh, I, I think they John, did no, John Oliver is making fun John of me because, yeah, because he was because apparently that company sponsors airtime on Hannity's show, uh, yeah, which is really fitting to yeah. be honest. Dude, I kind of want yeah. one, dude. It'd be fun. Yeah. Honestly, like, but the thing is, the person they showed doing it looked like they were struggling to do it. Well, so I was like, yeah, that's the point. It, but no, 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 no. I'm not saying they put on the socks. I'm saying using the thing. Oh, the thing that you slide. Like, it, she had like had like wiggle her leg around and like. Have you have you guys seen like shoehorns or used like shoehorns? Yeah, I used a shoehorn once. You? Oh, I thought you said like yeah, dude, every day. No, no, no. no. <laughs> shoehorns are weird. Yeah, no. I think they make the whole process way more complicated. Oh, I thought they were pretty good. Sometimes I had tight shoes, and I'd be like. Yeah. Got to use it. Do you untie your laces? Yeah, sometimes I did. But back when I was a kid, I didn't, so I used shoehorns. Jake? I've never used a shoehorn. Do you ever untie your, do you untie your laces every time you take your shoes off? Uh, when I have new shoes, uh-huh. yes. But, like, usually after a week, I'm I'm going the slip-on route. Okay. Got to get a shoehorn, dude. Yeah. Except these Roshis. I c- these are the ro- these Roshis I cannot slide. I cannot slide in and out. But, like, every time I have freeze, yeah, they're never, I never untie them. Mm, that's fair. Yawn. yawn. I haven't yawned. <laughs> God. All right. So um, one reason we wanted to invite Matt today is because we wanted to talk about uh, both of you guys uh, minored in poli sci. Mm-hmm. Both of you have um, 
you guys are both pretty knowledgeable in international international politics, um, and uh, we wanted to talk about the G seven summit. Mm-hmm. Um, so I've I've been watching it kind of from a distance, mm-hmm. um, so that I could have you two kind of. I could be the the layman and the dummy while you two discuss it, and I could ask kind of kind of questions and and pr- and expand on on different thoughts and ideas. Well, I'm I'm before we get into I'm sure my, mine and Matt's hot takes. I want to I want to know what you think. Just First, as, just as kind ex- of a, just as kind of a layman, like what what were your impressions? Okay, so you should explain what the G7 is though for those who don't know what it is. I just said I was the layman. Why don't you explain it? All right, so the the G <laughs> the G the G7 or the the group of seven industrial nations. It's um mm-hmm. it's consists of the United States, Canada, Germany, France, Great Britain, Japan, and Italy. Mm-hmm. And those seven industrial nations, uh, it, it formed during President uh, Ford's administration as a way to kind of bring in um, those those countries who were allied together through other institutions like NATO. But these were the, the strongest economies in, we- in Western democracy. Mm-hmm. And to kind of forge a an alliance and an agreement on how to structure their economies to, to best uh, maximize output and increase profitability and um, to try to, you know, hedge against a a growing, um, you know, communist uh, block in Eastern, Mm -hmm. um, well, and basically all around the world. Mm -hmm. And over time, especially during the Reagan administration, the G7 became very strong with the leadership of the United States using the G7 along with NATO to kind of reaffirm uh, the West's uh, policies, um, especially with nuclear weapons being um, stationed throughout Europe. You have the uh, the G7 reaffirmed the NATO's dual track uh, treaty in 1983 at the Williamsburg summit. So basically every year these seven, uh, these seven nations get together and they meet, they meet up in one of the host countries. It shifts every single year and they, and they basically lay out the, their economic plans for for the for that particular year um and that's what and this last one was in quebec canada mm-hmm. and um everybody was everybody was there one didn't want to be there didn't seem like the united, right. the united states and as he pointed out at one point it was the g8 trump um, pointed that out well yeah. trump pointed that out and it yeah. was for about 15 years mm-hmm. it was the g8 and so in 1996 or Eight, excuse my impreciseness. Uh, Russia was admitted after the fall of the Soviet Union. The f- uh, the Russian uh, Federation was admitted into the into the G seven. Became the G. It was a G seven plus one, and then officially the G seven, officially the G eight in either ninety six or ninety eight. And then they were expelled in two thousand fourteen because of their um, invasion of Crimea, which was the, uh, which was Ukraine, mm-hmm. and the G seven expelled them. Expelled Russia and went back to being the the G seven. Yeah. Okay. That's about the international. Um. So my thoughts, you know, when kind of, uh, kind of headline thoughts. Obviously, I mean, I'm kind of just skimming through, not trying to dive too much into it because I want you guys to kind of inform me, um, so that I can, you know, oh, I'm the dummy here. Um, but we had. So I think the biggest thing was that picture. Of everyone standing around the table and Donald Trump sitting there. Of Angela Merkel wanting to murder. <laughs> right. <laughs> so when I saw that, obviously that picture to me is hilarious. It's not funny, but 
it's just it's so telling, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and you have kind of the internet taking it off and and trying to. Ex- there was like a competition who can come up with the b- the best um subtitle, you know, to to for this picture. Um, but also, I saw another picture from either moments before or moments after, and Donald Trump's arms were un unfolded, and he was kind of more lounged back mm-hmm. and looked way more comfortable with the conversation. Yeah. So I think that that moment was captured and it, you know, because everyone's so polarized, that picture can be used in many different ways. Oh, yeah. Yes. Either for or against those who agree with this administration. Yeah. But later, you know, when I saw those other photos, he looked m- way more relaxed. And th- even the setting, even Merkel looked more comfortable mm-hmm. in the conversation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I, I, f- I, the one that drew the most, like I, when I first saw that picture, I'm like, this has got to be like a, a, a Photoshop photo. Like, I thought There's so too. no way Shinzo Abe is standing there like looking like he's just like, he can't believe what he's seeing. Like mm-hmm. you see him like standing there. Um, he's standing on the, like the head of the table and he's got Merkel here, and um, then Donald Trump is sitting down, and he, he's got his arms folded, and you're just like, there's just, there's no way that's a real, ex- like, he has that expression on his, and all of them have this expression on their face all at the same time, like, that, I thought there was, like, it was a, it was, it was a, bu- it was a composition photo mm-hmm, of a bunch mm-hmm. of different, um, at several different moments, but, like, man, what a, uh, I guess, when you say a picture you know, it's worth a thousand words. Right. <laughs> like that could yeah. you could definitely fill uh, a whole novel with uh, with analysts of of that picture. What do you think? Well, I know like Trump and Angela Merkel historically don't get along, mm-hmm. and I think that photo kind of captured a moment when their relationship was most seen publicly. Right. Um, I was surprised by Shinzo Abe's appearance because. He's been pretty supportive of Trump, even though like he may like internally disagree with a lot of him and yeah. of Trump's opinions and 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 um, and whatnot. I think overall this was a very telling G seven compared. Like if you compared it to when Obama last was at the G seven, I mean it's completely different. And mm-hmm. I, and this isn't to say like you know Obama's the better president or whatever. That's right. not my my point. It's just to say that. One person wanted to work with an international community, and the other did not. So, is, so is that what you guys? What did you guys take away from from everything that happened? Broad, um, broad overview for me, um, just in terms of what, if it had to symbolize one thing, is that it, this is a pivot away from seventy years of U.S. foreign policy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You have for the first time a president who is not reaffirming America's role in the international community that it created and underwrote its policy for the last 70 years after world war ii and now you have a you have a president who is um looking to distance the the united states both economically and politically militarily from um from that those institutions that it formed in its own image Mm -hmm. um after after the second world war to try to forge uh to forge a uh, an environment where um resource allocation um tensions over uh you know over those resources can be eased through economic interdependence and then trying to you know take uh liberal ideology such as you know democracy you know free flow of capital free markets and and uh, attribute that you know those domestic 
uh, governance attributes and bring them forward to the international sphere, which is as you know ruled by anarchy. There is no over, there's no over presiding government, but to try to take some of those principles and use them on the international stage, and you know make make the international community more plural. By uh, especially you you see uh, presidents, both President Reagan and President Obama, w in their you know they're separated by several decades. But both did as much as they could to reaffirm America's commitment to not only uh, maintaining those institutions, such as the, you know the UN, the G7, the NATO, and NATO, um, but I enhancing them. Right. And I think that this this president, uh, his foreign policy, and he he is given free reign to do so because his base. Um, as much as this has been a Republican Party platform for a long time, you know, free trade um, has been a foundational block for the Republican Party in the post-World War II era, and that's just not the case anymore. So he, he's got the domestic support, at least amongst his base. You know, 90% uh, poll came out from The Economist this week that he has an over 90% um, support from the Republican Party mm. of, like, of Republican voters. Mm -hmm. And... So he definitely has a uh, he has the ability to do this, and he's he's gonna he's gonna go forward with it. So we'll we'll see, but it, it's definitely uh, we're uncharted territory at this at this moment, right. or at least not in the last seventy years. Yeah, and a lot of this is um, harkening back to uh, pre World War II era, um, especially you know eighteen nineties nineteen hundreds kind of uh, American isolationism. Mm -hmm. So yeah, that's that's kind of my long winded um, initial takeaway. <laughs> what about you, Matt? Um, I also think an important thing about that is this administration doesn't view the enemies of the United States as enemies anymore. I mean, at least chiefly with China, Russia, and North Korea. Mm -hmm. um, mainly with Russia, it's, you can see it, like what he said at the G7, that, you know, Russia should be here mm -hmm. and whatnot. But also, I think he has a weird soft spot for authoritarian regimes. Mm -hmm. And it's not to say that Trump is an authoritarian. By no means right. is he. But he has a weird soft spot for them, for especially sure. weirdly with China. Um, mm -hmm. I also think what I got from it was that the U.S. doesn't care about the rest of the world, chiefly. It cares about itself. And you could say they always have. But I think we were much more committed, like Jake said, to the rest of the world. These presidents, mm -hmm. you know reaffirmed our commitment to like international organizations like the g7 and whatnot but now trump is just burning bridges and mm -hmm. that's something i think is very worrisome because the g7 without the u.s is nothing right i mean it's it, i mean there are i mean there, uh, the uk is a strong economy i'm not saying that they're, not, they're just going to like collapse if we leave but the organization itself the g7 if we left is nothing nato if we left is nothing mm -hmm. um the un it's significantly weakened mm -hmm. Um, and that's what I worry that he's trying to do because people are calling him out internationally and he doesn't like that. He doesn't take criticism well. Mm -hmm. Um, and he, I mean, by well, I mean really at all. And so, um, I mean, he insulted Justin Trudeau, which I didn't even, uh, I didn't even understand why he decided to call him. Well, I know why he decided to call him out. I just think Canada's our number one trade partner. Mm -hmm. They're a staunch ally of the United States and we're putting tariffs on them and tweeting out insults to their prime minister and yeah. we think that's going to reaffirm 
U.S. you know hegemony ar- around the world or right. or reaffirm our values. I think that's just nonsense. Well, it's it's going to. There's several concerns here. Is that primarily? I think for me the chief concern is is that over the last seventy years, Western Europe has not balanced against the United States. Mm-hmm. They haven't economically balanced. They haven't militarily balanced. Um, and try to um, you know what I mean by that is curb United States influence and in United States presence around the world. Um, we haven't seen that, which is unheard of in international relations mm-hmm. historically. Um, generally, anytime you have a, a regional hegemon, which is you know someone who, a country, a nation that has unchecked power, um, has significantly more power than anybody else around it, so it can exert its influence pretty much um, at will over its neighbors. The United States is the single world hegemon. Right. It's the most powerful. It's the most powerful nation in the world. Mm -hmm. And no one can check it economically. No one can check it militarily on their own. Mm -hmm. So that gives it hegemonic status. Um, so far there hasn't been outward, outward balancing against the United States. Mm -hmm. Even when the United States, um, broke international uh, broke international law with its invasion of Iraq mm-hmm. without UN support. Mm-hmm. You still didn't see. You saw, yeah, you saw griping, right? But you never saw actual hard balancing against the United mm-hmm. States. Mm-hmm. So that points to that even though the United States didn't um, was you know pissing off its 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 nations through its act other right. its allied nations with its actions, they still. There is still something about the United States because of its o- its history of reaffirming cooperation mm-hmm. in democracy and you know those kind of principles that they believe that the United States is at its core trying to do the right thing mm-hmm. and it's not really a threat to their own sovereignty. Yeah. Right. So they don't view the United States as a threat, even though we could declare war on any individual nation that right. individual nation that we wanted to and defeat them. Mm-hmm. There's no fear of that by our allies, mm-hmm. which historically is just never the case. Right. Like look how much w- war Europe has gone, how much war has been on the European continent mm-hmm. for as long as there's, you know, it's in the history of the nation state. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And there hasn't been in the last 70 years. Mm-hmm. And a lot of, a lot of that is because the United States is acting as that, kind of underwriter of the pol- of these policies that are, are eliminating um, these tensions, but then also the United States acts in such a way that doesn't invite that kind of balancing against it. Mm-hmm. I think with, pres- with President Trump's actions, is you st- you're going to start seeing that balancing against the United States, right. because we are now antagonizing using behavior that is, that is undercutting the bottom line of these other nations. Right. We're imposing tariffs on yeah. them. It's going to be th- that's going to in that's going to cause a tit for tat response. Mm-hmm. They're going to hit us with with uh, with retaliatory uh, tariffs mm-hmm. because why why wouldn't they? Right. So yeah, th- I think that I think in the in the in short term that's this is this is this is what you're talking about in the long run. Um, I think you could see, and I know this is mean Matt and I have talked about this at length. Is that because Western Europe is such aligned with the United States in terms of ideology, you know, belief in democracy, belief in free markets, um, that China, even though China has this very strong economy, is not going to be able to get those other nations, just because of ideological differences, to want to align with China. The more the United States starts acting aggressively to its allies, mm-hmm. China starts to not look so bad. For sure. They're going to look for an underwriter 
to yeah. fund these institutions. China is willing, able to do it. Yeah. We keep if we keep if we keep doing this, China in the long run, China may replace may China, we may end up creating China as the, giving China the the sole world hegemon because of that. Right. I think what's also important and Jake brought up China, so I'm about to go on a rant about China. Here we go. Um <laughs> the important thing about China is they are very neutral when it comes to international affairs. Uh-huh. They don't get involved militarily, for example, with mm-hmm. a lot of international conflicts. Um, they don't get, for the most part, they kind of keep to themselves. Right. But they care more about internal politics, yeah. per se, than they for do sure. external. <clears throat> um, I think the rise of China will be because of the inactivity of mm-hmm. the United States. And specifically, looking at what they're doing in the South China Sea, what they're doing in Africa, and mm-hmm. what they're doing in the Red Sea. Um, kind of What China's doing? Yeah. Okay, what are they doing? Essentially, what they're doing is, well, I know for most people who understand about the South China Sea, they're building islands to essentially state claim. There's these, there's these reefs uh-huh. in the South China Sea. Um, I forget their exact name. But essentially, they're building islands so that they can claim what they call the Nine Dash Line, which is a huge chunk huh. of the South China Sea that pretty much, it's supposed to be international water so people can trade through it freely. Right. But China's building islands and building military bases on there and saying we own it so that oh. like Vietnam, Phil- the Philippines, you know, hmm. can't claim it. Um, and then, so they're trying to do that because if you access a corridor from the South China Sea, that's a huge area for right. trade. And they're also doing the same thing in Africa where um, specifically, I believe it was in Egypt mm-hmm. or no, 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 Djibouti. Uh-huh. Um, Djibouti, they built their first military base. Okay. This is their first military base outside, outside of, China. of China. Whoa. And it's, so that they can get essentially because uh, people probably know that there's Somali pirates on yeah, yeah, the east yeah. coast of Africa yeah. and then they, they cause a lot of problems with trade. And so a lot of um, instead of like having the Djibouti military, which isn't really a big presence there, right. fight them, they have essentially like the U.S. and Sweden and whoever mm-hmm, has a military mm-hmm, base mm-hmm. in Djibouti go fight them. So China is doing that because they also want to get better trade relations with Egypt so they can get better access to the Suez Canal yeah. and also to the Red Sea, which wow. will also fill out into the Indian Ocean. And so, because they're already starting to look at bases in South Asia, like mm-hmm. India and Pakistan. And then they're also investing heavily in Africa for resources, mm-hmm. for specifically raw materials like nickel and copper and, and tin and things that they use for manufacturing. So they invest heavily in African countries like Sudan, for example. They built the presidential palace in Sudan with Chinese laborers, with Chinese money. Oh, and wow. essentially they get countries so indebted to them, they'll be like, you'll pay us back with resources. Oh. But we won't hire Sudanese workers. Mm-hmm. We'll use Chinese workers. We'll send workers from China over to Sudan, mm-hmm. work it, pretty much drain you of your resources, get you so in debt that you can't get out of these deals. And that's how they're going to get hegemony over Africa. Right. And it's essentially colonialism. Yeah. But it's, it's, it's uh, the Chinese way of doing it. It's kind of like what they call, what the Chinese call, um, their current economic system is communism with Chinese characteristics. This is colonialism with Chinese characteristics. Mm. That's what they're doing. Interesting. And so th- I think China's rising because we will be inactive and we're isolating our allies isolating, so much for sure, yeah. that we're withdrawing too much. Yeah. And I know people don't want us to get involved in like wars and stuff. And right, that's right. not even per se what this is. It's right. just if we withdraw our international presence, China will fill the gap. Right. Someone will fill the gap. It's what you guys always talk about is that soft power. Yeah, we need that soft yeah. power. Yeah, the the soft power is the ability to get someone that they get someone to do something that they normally wouldn't without having to force them to do it. Right. Yeah. And the United States has um, continually built its soft power over the last few decades. Right. Um, 
and it's definitely at its lowest point. Right. I would say right now. Yeah. Or at least in recent, at least yeah. in recent, uh, in your recent time. So my one of my English professors, she went to China, mm-hmm. and I think I told you this because uh, I was like, let's go to China. Um, but I she she went, I think, spring break mm-hmm. this last year. She went to China, and she said that the cities there were she said they were modern right because obviously it's now yeah so they're modern but the way she described them sounded so futuristic the -hmm. way that the the trains were operating and how Mm -hmm. fast they were just how how massive the cities were Mm -hmm. how electronic the cities were Mm -hmm. just she's like they don't our cities here don't compare to how advanced technologically those cities in China were. Well, she saw what they wanted her to see because uh-huh. she didn't go to the rural areas. No, she didn't gosh, go to where. No, 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 no. no, no and no, also no. not just that. It's the cities are where the monies are. Where the monies? Where the money is? Where the monies are? Where the money's at? <laughs> and um, it also what takes to fuel those cities, like the coal fire plants that they, or power plants that they use. And also the um, what essentially they have these like labor these migrant labor issues within uh-huh. internally within China. So people will come from the rural areas and migrate to the cities to work, and it, they're extremely poor. And mm-hmm. she, I mean, definitely without a doubt. And this is not just to like. Well, you know, I think she did go to the rural areas, but I think this isn't just to also like dump on China because I I'm, right. I'm, I'm, I'm I love China. I'm I'm obsessed with China, but it's also like you know. They're able to do what they do because they have very oppressive labor standards. Oh, for and sure. So, you know, you saw a beautiful city with you know all this technology, and and by no means am I trying to say that they don't have it or yeah. that their train system isn't amazing because it's far better than the U.S. Yeah. But at the same time, they don't understand that, um, like, you saw a lot. You didn't see what's really going on behind the scenes per se that makes those cities what they are. Yeah. So. We went down a little bit of a China rabbit hole there, but what it sounds like is, I mean, you guys are, your concerns are, are, is it losing the power that you guys are concerned with or the influence by isolating ourselves or the shift towards China or somebody else? I think it's all of the above. Do we really want a a world system that's being um, underwritten by, by China? By China gets to dictate what is you know on the docket for the global community to uh, you know to attempt to fix because the United States for a long time has put um, you know human rights as a as a major um, uh, you know advancing human rights around the world mm-hmm. through you know institutions like the UN. Do you think if China was the sole proprietor of of world power? Are they, um, I mean, they have their own human rights violations to right. worry about. They're not going to promote human rights around the human rights around the world and global literacy and um, hunger and and health. And yeah. the United States has consistently backed those programs. And do you think China is going to, you know, put that same amount of effort into, into that versus um, advancing their own self-interests? Mm-hmm. The United mm-hmm. States has been very benevolent in the sense that it's w- looked to promote I mean, you can obviously argue <laughs> against this, but I think that... For That's the, what I was going to say. The, for the most part, I think you could argue that... Uh, and yes, I mean, I guess it depends on how you want to look at this. Uh-huh. But like a realist would say, well, the United States only um, uses these institutions to promote its own self-interest. That's what I was going to but say. In yeah. a lot of, but in a lot of ways, but the United States is, has promoted its own self-interest, yes, but I think at the same time, it also works 
to promote the you know uh, the advancement of the, of the world mm-hmm. um, and especially the spread of the spread of uh, you know free and open markets the spread mm-hmm. of capitalism mm-hmm. um, yes it's had its 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 downsides but overall um, the uh, the amount of the amount of wealth that is around the world right now is higher and the amount of people that are in abject poverty is at the lowest percentage in human history mm-hmm. so a lot of that has to do with the united with the the existence of this global community with the united states as its backer does that continue under under chinese leadership if if the power dynamic were to sh- were to shift yeah. i don't know i think also to kind of continue off that a little bit is that looking at how the U.S. has influenced major institutions, has also been in the interests of a lot of Western states. Because, mm. for example, during the Cold War, the U.K. couldn't have stood against the USSR. It couldn't have done the things that we did. Mm-hmm. Um, but also, the U.K. has similar interests as the United States. Well, we have we have, we have similar um, values mm-hmm. and, and beliefs of how the world should Have or had? I think had. Okay. Nah, it used to be half. Right, because I think that's kind of what we're saying right yeah. now is you're seeing a split from um, maybe ideas and goals internationally. Yeah. From it, what yeah. the United States is kind of demonstrating yeah. compared to what the rest of the world and is And, like, I know people, especially on the left, try to think that Russia is the big enemy. And you could argue, yeah, they've done some hacking and, and whatnot, and they've maybe influenced our election. But one thing that I think is more important is that then you know who hacks the U.S. or targets the U.S. for hacking the most internationally? I do not. China. Oh, like, actually, I think I heard like, that. Not just like by yeah. a little, like significantly. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't. I mean, don't get me wrong. Russia's influence over the United States, especially with this last election, has mm-hmm. been very problematic and is something to look into. But in the in the long run, I'm much more concerned with china's efforts to usurp the united states world you know mm-hmm. i hate calling it a world order because it always throws in like a conspiracy theory For sure. that like yeah the u.s is with the secret dark state man yeah. like that's not what i'm trying to say the deep state jake and i state. talking about the deep state oh, we God, love the deep state don't get me started on that but essentially what i'm trying to say is that i think there's a lot of distractions for the u.s right now and our president isn't equipped distractions for who the United States for the people. What do you mean by that? I think more for in like international relations and like uh, essentially government. What do you mean? I think like, th- like for example, with North Korea. Okay, okay. Is it that important that we reach a deal with North Korea? I think it is to a point, but uh-huh. we'll get there later, and I can explain my point more. Okay. But, um, but like with Russia, am I that concerned with Russia hacking our elections? Of course. Mm-hmm. In the long run, is it is it something that we won't be able to handle? No. Hmm. Well, if we get the right administration, yeah, if we get the right administration. Right. True. Yeah, I, yeah, I would push back on um, Russia's um, meddling in the elections, especially when you see how deep it went with like Cambridge Analytica. Yeah. Cambridge Analytica, Russia is trying to uh, sway elections throughout hmm. the developing world. Yeah. Um, so yeah, he, I think Russia is a posing threat, but as Matt you know alluded to china is definitely the big bad in Mm -hmm. all of this because Mm -hmm. you have to look at um russia is has more regional aspirations than global aspirations right now yeah yeah, whereas during the cold war they had global aspirations as threat of communism russia wants to see itself as a player in european politics again Mm -hmm. they want to have they want to they want to 
they want to return to the regional power that they've mm-hmm. been in the past. I don't believe they have one. They don't have the capability for global, um, mm-hmm. to, for global, for their more glo- global broad aspirations. Where China does, China is both willing and able to um, mm-hmm. to expand globally and, and assert its 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 will well. on the outside world and try to shape global politics to suit the s- mm-hmm. to shift it to shift global politics to suit its own self interests. And I think that is where in ideologically are not aligned historically with the united states and i think that's when you're going to end up with a a theocity's trap which um is when is a theory that uh is in international relations where you have an existing hegemon Mm -hmm. and a rising and a rising power yeah and what happens when those two reach equal power right and there's gonna will will there be will there be a bipolar world where Mm -hmm. you have two competing hegemons like uh the united states and russia during the soviet union Mm -hmm. or will you get war will they will the um the existing hegemon view the rising power as a threat to its security right and preemptively attack Mm -hmm. china would this basically this dynamic that you see rising between the united states and china is a is a case study um in international relations and the theorist will generally theor- people who adhere to Thucydides trap theory generally say that the United States because of uncertainty over preferences uncertainty over um, uh, intentions will force this environment with you know with a established hegemon and a rising power will always result in war hmm. so mm-hmm. um well, so what kind of Matt was alluding to, and well, not even alluding to, you said it, and kind of what you're saying is, I mean, with this rising power, it seems like with the stance and the and the the rhetoric of the United States and their their kind of isolationist and secluding themselves from the rest of the world, I'm what I'm assuming or what I'm thinking is that you know you have this their there are now there's this gap that the United States is creating and mm-hmm. maybe kind of pulling back from institutions or practices that they had participated in for decades. And now that gap in those places can be in those roles like you were talking about, Matt, are now being filled with China. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And, and that's a, that's a huge threat. Something we forget about. Everybody's focused on the G7 and in, in, um, in North Korea. But by far one of the biggest foreign policy blunders of his administration happened in the first month. And it was uh, pulling out of the Trans-Pacific Partnership, the TPP. And um, you could argue that that was economically, the United States was going to have a economic net loss by being a part of that trade organization. The the Trans-Pacific Partnership. Is that where he was coming from? Yeah, that was his. That was his. Like, was he's like, well, it's a, a it's a terrible trade deal. The United States is going to get, you know, going to get destroyed economically on uh-huh. this. Which really, most economists didn't believe that the United States, if they took a loss, was going to be all that significant. Versus the net intangible gains mm-hmm. uh, um, that we would have gotten from like being what, a, from like what well, would come from that being um, more economically tied to South China, as we see as to Southeast Asia. Mm-hmm. Whereas we see China, as Matt had mentioned, is becoming with their nine dash line, yeah. becoming more expansionist. The um, countries like Vietnam, Cambodia, Philippines, uh, Indonesia uh, are all looking for a financial backer to mm-hmm, help mm-hmm. Um, you know bring in more uh, economic stability into the region, and they were looking to the United States as being that f- that economic 
that economic backer, that underwriter to that um, to that new partnership, mm-hmm. that new trade partnership. And with the United States withdrawing from that agreement, they still need that that monetary oh, wow. presence, and that is going to be filled by China. Yeah, and they don't want it. They didn't want it to be. They don't. They don't align with those al- countries. Those countries yeah. don't align with China, right? Because China's expansionist. Yeah. But they would rather be the United States, but the United States isn't there anymore. Ooh. So they go. They're going to need. But in order for for their for their own economies to grow and yeah. expand, they need someone like who has the money, like either the United States or China, mm-hmm, to be mm-hmm. there. And China is the only other country willing to, right. to lend its services. Right. So they're then when you when someone you know is in that position, China is going to try to um, to steer those countries into in a way that suits its own self interest. Mm-hmm. So we're giving China right. that power to then become more equal to the United States, right. and we're getting back to the two cities trap. Right. We're creating that o- our own environment, yeah. th- that environment that ult- ultimately, according to the theory, leads to war. Right. So if you're if you're in a, if you're adhering to that realist theory, um, then yeah, it, why this is in re-entrenching into an isolationist stance mm-hmm. is completely against our own self-interest. Yeah. So if you think that you know ha- taking a s- semi net loss yeah. by being a part of a trade institution right. what how much is it going to cost to be in a, in, in in the long run if you're in a war with a country like china right what is what's the cost there and how how far where the, will their reach grow when by the time you get to that war exactly yeah yeah interesting well you were thinking something i could tell you were going to say oh something. no i was going to say the counter thucydides trap because we've said that a lot was and the one thing I argued in, because we had to write a paper about it for mm-hmm. one of our poli-sci classes, was that nuclear weapons changes the game a bit. Mm. Because I, at least what I argued with, and Jake may have a counter to this. Right. I said the difference between, like, saying during, like, the Napoleonic years, mm-hmm. um, when Napoleon was, like, marching into Russia and mm-hmm. stuff like that, and there was a rising power and there was competition, um, was that neither one had the ability to wipe out. Right a significant portion of For sure. the others, you know, country instantly or mm-hmm. the state. Um, and I think this, essentially this um, nuclear balance is something that's going to deter war between mm-hmm. a rising China mm-hmm. and um, and the United States. That being said, uh, that doesn't mean war is not an option. Right. And, and, and I'm not saying that, you know, it's something that can never happen. Mm-hmm. I'm just saying mm-hmm. I think it's less likely than... It is, but I, d- I still think it's it's still very likely that China will surpass the U.S. purely because hmm. if we keep following this tra- trajectory of withdrawing from the international community, yeah. withdrawing from organizations, withdrawing from trade deals, because we think that everything's unfair to us, that the world's trying to rob us, that the mm-hmm. world's the world's taking advantage of us, we will no longer be a hegemon. Well, and so what I'm what I'm thinking about is, you know, these these choices for this administration in the United States to pull from these deals, um, it, it allows for other nations to kind of step up and take the responsibilities that the United States used to have. Mm-hmm. And as these other nations do that and gain power or gain more economic standing globally, you could use that to manipulate again that the United States is suffering globally that you need a leader to lead the united states to grow you know what i'm saying yeah no exactly so manipulating it Mm -hmm. even though it's our choice 
as it gets worse and as other nations rise to create that balance you were talking about or you know what i mean um or or, or like the uh just europe coming together in the way that mm-hmm. they have yeah. um i could just see that being used as a reason to keep certain people in power or for re-election for certain people who are going to fight against this decline in U.S. power, even though, from what it sounds like, it's our own damn fault. Yes, I'd say. Yeah, we have. Well, you have these people spinning that the United States lost its power, lost power. Rel- relative power that it had prior to the Obama administration. Mm-hmm. It lost power. It lost standing in the world yeah. because of Obama's wishy-washy um, kind of lead-from-behind their words um, foreign policy. Right. He was, you know, they, he was bowing to Saudi princes. Uh-huh. He was, um, you know, he w- he apologized for the United States using a nu- nuclear weapons in World War II when he yeah. was in Japan for the, you know, the anniversary of dropping the atomic mm-hmm. bomb. Um all of that is just not true. The United States did not lose standing. Yeah, it's, it's interesting that they're spinning that as a way of losing standing. Mm-hmm. You know, I could I, I would only assume that that would make a relationship better. Yeah, that's how someone who like, that's a, how a rational person <laughs> would view that, right? That doesn't have an agenda, right? Right. I didn't particularly care for Obama's President Obama's foreign policy generally yeah yeah i thought sure. there were certain things he did it was that was good mm-hmm. but i think f- overall there was there was many things i disagreed with mm-hmm. um but i'm not going to say the united states weakened under his under his watch yeah um by any means right. i think the united you look at the economy when he left office it was a very strong economy mm-hmm. america's uh america's attitudes towards america around the world were high right in Im- amongst her allies so i would say i don't think i don't see how you could say the united states you know obama destroyed anything yeah you could maybe say we had a marginal setback yeah i don't, I don't know how you go about defining that or right. like you could look at a bunch of different metrics and try to come up with that but right. i think overall the united states stayed stable or did better under obama um you know if just just a, a, a particular anecdote um when Obama left office, South Korea viewed the United States, South Korean public. There was a poll that mm-hmm. um, I believe Gallup did, and they had um, South Koreans' belief in the United States to do the right thing on the peninsula, in terms of relations with North Korea. That the United States would have mm-hmm. South Korea's interests in mind with their dealings with North Korea, yeah, and with China. Um, that was eight, over eighty percent of South Koreans believe that the United States was. In the bet, the United States was acting in the best interest of South Korea. Mm-hmm. The r- most recent poll shows that that number you know, under Trump's presidency, this was before the summit, mm-hmm. dipped below thirty percent. I believe that. So, who's had a more negative benefit to America's standing in the world mm-hmm. amongst its allies? Which supposedly that's what matters, right? But you could also say, I wonder. I mean. Who knows how the the meeting between North Korea and the United States is depicted in North Korea, but yeah. you could say that maybe that relationship for North Korea has increased from the meeting of Kim Jong Un and Oh, I highly Trump. doubt it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I don't know. They view. Uh, I mean, the propaganda in North Korea. That's what I'm that saying. Is, I don't know how is, it was spun, but the propaganda that has come out against the United States 
up until yeah obviously who knows in the last couple of days right is that the united states like ate you know killed babies right the, right right the kim regime paid for state-run movies to be made yeah, about yeah, how yeah. the united states military raped north koreans mm-hmm. all the way through the korean war and mm-hmm. they were these terrible people mm-hmm. and they were awful it, it, they committed all of these war atrocities I mean, the Kim regime even created like this super grainy photo about how North Korea was sending uh, aid to the United, to the poor United to the poor Americans mm-hmm. who couldn't like afford to. You know, there were soup lines in the United in North Korea was funding um, aid efforts in the yeah. United States. Yeah. Like so, how are how are in two days or three days are you going to completely shift that narrative right. under a bunch of ingrained people who think that Kim is you know is ordained from God? Right. So. Mm-hmm. So let's talk about that, the meeting between Trump and and uh, Kim Jong-un. What were you thinking about it, Matt? I thought lots of things. <laughs> um, <laughs> well, and, and thank you for listening to our podcast. Yeah. What? I was kidding. Was like the end? Yeah, you know, he was just saying we, we thought many things, and I was joking that we're just, uh, we'll yeah. just end it. Yeah, we should. Okay, bye. And, um, <laughs> I think, God, where do I start? Um... The way what got me was the way people reacted to Kim Jong Un in the United States. No, in Singapore. Oh, okay. Because I watched a Trevor Noah clip and mm-hmm. I, on the Daily Show. I'm not a big fan of the Daily Show. Right. I mean, I did under John Stewart. He was pretty interesting, but John Stewart's a yeah. stud. But I mean, I just I think the just gets yeah, to your point. There. <laughs> but they were like acting like Kim Jong Un was like a yeah, rock stop star. Hedging. They were acting like Kim Jong Un was a rock star, and were like cheering and cheering. I'm like, uh-huh. the man is a monster. Right. He had his uncle killed, and like, had his brother whacked, mm-hmm. and he's just he's a bad dude. Yeah. And at the same time, Trump's like saying how talented Kim Jong Un is and yeah. how impressive Kim Jong Un is. Yeah. He took the job at 26 or whatever, 20 whatever. Yeah. That's impressive. I mean, he's held it for like. Trump doesn't know what he's doing. And this isn't like a, oh, anti-Trump. This is like, he doesn't know who he's dealing with. Right. And like, that's not because people can't tell him. Right. It's because he doesn't care. Okay. So I have something that I saw that I want to share with you guys. Yes. Um, the New York Times reported, I don't know if either of you saw this, <sighs> that President Trump came to Kim Jong-un with a movie trailer. Yeah. That depicted the both of them as heroes. Yeah, yeah, no, I heard about that. That, um, that was played. Are was you kidding me? Have you not seen that video? Yeah, no, I saw that. yeah, it's on YouTube. Yeah, the it, video it's, that it's he showed by him. Our, it's by our White House. Yeah, it's it's atrocious, man. It is. It's, it's weird. It's very very wow. Good. It's deeply yeah. concerning. So, what do you think the implications are? Of us opening this dialogue and relationship with North Korea, it's bad for us. I Why? Think because Trump is very easily manipulated, um, and Kim Jong Un is very good at manipulating. I think also chi- people aren't paying attention. I know I always bring this back to China. What's China doing? China. China. Well, no, it's because right, but China. China's benefiting from this one because a stable one, a stable North Korea is what China wants. But isn't hasn't the United States always looked to China to kind of tug back on the leash of North Korea? Yeah, but they can't anymore. That's what I'm saying. So now that we've opened this dialogue, does that take power from China? No. No. 
China is the number one trade partner. So what is the point of doing this then? It was to stop him from building nuclear weapons. And to get Trump the Nobel Peace Prize. Yeah. And that's not a good thing, though, to get him to stop? The thing is, we didn't sign anything for him to stop. Like, he he didn't have a... The thing they signed wasn't a denuclearization, Mm -hmm. like, agreement or Mm -hmm. an end to the Korean War or anything like that. It was, let's start talking. Uh Uh-huh. And then we're like, oh, since you do this, we're going to cancel our joint military operations, which is, I, I understand, it's antagonistic to North Korea because it's like, hey, we're preparing to kick your butt. Mm-hmm. And North Korea, obviously, it makes Kim Jong-un settle because he sees, holy cow, these guys have things that we right. can't handle. So we're going to build nukes right. so that they don't invade us. And so I see that as being something to bring down the antagonism. And, and maybe that's a good thing in the long run. Uh huh. Between the two. Between the two. Yeah. But I don't see how we can have North Korea continue to be a state mm-hmm. if, like, I don't understand how the United States, more or less, mm-hmm. can back North Korea as a state. Okay. I just, we're diametrically opposed. So, one one argument that I saw was that, um, that this move by North Korea by Kim Jong-un specifically is because he's starting to realize the possibility of losing power so that he, so he needs to be Mm -hmm. more open to discussion with these world powers. Possibly. Um, That's definitely a valid argument. Mm -hmm. We don't know. We don't know what the, we don't know what the domestic situation is in in North Korea because they keep everything tight-lipped. Probably the best person who would know that's not a North Korean would be Xi Jinping, Mm -hmm. you know, the chairman of China, Mm -hmm. China's Communist Party. But um, China is already... um, So just just what the the immediate aftermath of President Trump signing that one or two-page document Mm -hmm. with Kim Jong-un was that the United States still stated, which was a good move, we're not going to lift sanctions on North Korea until we start to see tangible evidence mm-hmm. that you are denuclearizing. I saw that, yeah. So that's a good move. Yeah. The yeah. problem is is that he gave legitimacy to the Kim regime yeah. by meeting with them. Yeah. And what that means mm. is that what immediate aftermath of that is that China, who had sanctions on North Korea, mm-hmm. that was the United States put pressure on China to economic pressure on north korea Mm -hmm. china has now openly started trading with north korea because Mm -hmm. now the united states is no longer applying Mm -hmm. that level of pressure Mm -hmm. it's so now china is is now influent is now bringing bringing goods bringing resources into north korea expanding their reach expanding their reach (laughs) into north korea when the united in in the united states is still keeping its sanctions on Mm -hmm. but it's United States sanctions alone are not going right. to um, compel North Korea mm-hmm. to act in a way that we want them to act, which mm-hmm. is denuclearize. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So if he he's getting what he wants because he knows that we are not going to have a bloody, we're not going to do a bloody nose strike. Right. It would be the worst possible thing we For could sure. do. They go and do some preemptive strike on mm-hmm. North Korea because they have um, nuclear weapons. Mm-hmm. They have about what 30 60 of them mm-hmm. they have yeah. uh, quite a few of them that enough that we probably couldn't get them all in a single strike mm-hmm. which which would mean retaliatory strike on right. either guam or japan or North south korea something that we you know we couldn't stop yeah. mm-hmm. so mutually assured destruction is going to um 
at least of our allies, is going to keep us from striking um, North Korea. So mm-hmm. in the short run, China is now trading with North Korea, which is going to alleviate any sort of domestic pressure Kim Jong-un may have been experiencing that forced him to the negotiation table. Uh-huh, uh-huh. He got what he wanted in the short run. Right. Without any hard agreement to denuclearize in mm-hmm. the future. He mm-hmm. said he will work towards it, but there's no date. Right. Mm-hmm. There's no... I don't know how... A, just side note. I don't know how a president who said that the Iran deal, which had verification in its in its, in the agreement... Mm-hmm was the worst deal ever and then you go and you sign a deal with with even less parameters mm-hmm, mm-hmm. with even less checks with even with with even less wording right. in terms of what it would mean if the if the if the other signatory did not uphold its end of the deal mm-hmm. it's by far less <laughs> yeah less yeah, effective yeah, yeah. than what obama did with um with the iran deal right. and then so the other side is uh, uh, people who are saying the other critics of the iran deal was that it? They didn't. They didn't. Um, the, there was no wordage in the Iran deal that remo- that Iran had to remove its intercontinental intercontinental continental ballistic missiles, mm-hmm. its delivery system of a nuclear warhead. Mm-hmm. They still have that. They didn't. Re- they um. They didn't force Iran to give up its its chemical agents. Yeah. For chemical warfare. Yeah, yeah. And it didn't have any wordage to stop Iran from funding terrorist organizations such as the Houthi rebels. Yeah. In Yemen or Hezbollah. Um, and that's why it's argued that that was a terrible deal. Yes. Yeah. North Korea still has chemical. I mean, there was. There's no chemical. There's no wordage in North in this deal with North Korea mm-hmm. to get them to open up their economy, which mm-hmm. is going to be necessary for because right the way North Korea is, um, the way North Korea has its economic structure right now is that any investment that is brought into its country cannot leave. So, oh. so under the Obama administration, uh, there was in in, in the gaps and and like in sanctions, a Turkey, a Turkish investment company, started investing in North Korean infrastructure. Mm-hmm. Um, nor- North Korea then wouldn't allow any any of the profits that that company got from its North Korea dealings to leave the country. So that what? country was completely out of all of their investment money, all of their <laughs> profits, and all of their principal. Yeah. So until North Korea changes that that economic yeah. that economic strategy, anything that we bring into the country is not going to not going to benefit anybody else. So right. it's going to keep people from wanting to and like, private companies to want to invest in the first place. Right. So there's no there's no wordage in there to change that. Hmm. There's no wordage. China, I mean North Korea, has a lot of chemical weapons mm-hmm. as a deterrent for land based attacks. Yeah. There's no wordage on getting getting that taken out of mm-hmm. because if we were to launch some sort of strike to denuclearize North mm-hmm. Korea, we're going to need to deal with those chemical weapons. Right. So he still has those as a as a deterrent, mm-hmm. which is all of this is pointing to. He's not going to. There's no there's no reason for Un at this point, even with after this deal, to denuclearize because that's the only yeah. thing that keeps us from fucking with it. Right. Jake's not yawning now. No. Why do we? Yeah, that's interesting. I don't know. You guys see uh, Dennis Rodman crying? He's a fucking goon. Weirdo. No, Dennis Rodman. If anyone takes Dennis Rodman's opinion for North Korea seriously, they need to be checked into a loony bin as well as he does. Did you see it, Jake? Yeah, I did. Did you love it? It's not even worth commenting on. No, (laughs) Dennis Rodman's a no joke. Yeah. Well, I don't really have any more questions for G7. Any last comments? 
if you want to take a good look at that, um, what I would do is, uh, I think, uh, if you want to take a good look at the uh, that article we're talking about, Thucydides Trap, mm-hmm. it's by author Graham Allison. It was in the Atlantic. It's called Thucydides Trap. Um, I would look that up. Okay. It would, I think, it really explains um, kind of the 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 thought, at least one perspective on how the United States relationship yeah. is going to um, advance. And I just want to have one final. It's uh, something we I wanted to touch on, but we didn't get to. Mm-hmm. Is that what a lot of what's driving this? Um, Ide- you know Trump's ideology in terms of how he sees the world and the United States' uh, his place in 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 the world is uh, concerns over relative gains, which is a very short run mm-hmm. way of looking at interactions with other right. states. And the United States is not declining mm-hmm. economically; it's not declining. It wasn't declining. America was not in decline by any means. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But China was was. Um, was seeing an economic incline right. at a much faster pace in the United States, right? Because they were you generally early on in uh, marketization of an economy, you will see f- high amounts of growth, mm-hmm. you know, up there the double digits of you know annual GDP growth. Mm-hmm. That's not sustainable because you will reach to the point where you have massive inflation. Mm-hmm. Economy like the United States operates somewhere generally without having spikes in inflation between one to three percent anything above that you start you start really worrying about um inflation in the economy which is why you see the feds raising interest rates four times this year to try to stave off future inflation because we're growing at an unsustainable rate Mm -hmm. um that's where keynesian economics comes in in trying to using monetary policy to um to restrict the amount of money that's in the economy to try to stave off inflation Mm -hmm. oversimplification china is starting to decrease in its ability in its ability to maintain that amount of GDP that amount of GDP growth annually. Right. But it's still growing at a faster rate than the United States. That doesn't mean China is anywhere near as powerful as the United right. States by any means. Econo- or if you look at any metric, the United States is better. We're better at purchasing power parity. We have greater um, GDP per capita by a wide margin. Mm-hmm. Americans are way better off than Chinese. Our econo- just basic economic wealth levels. The average American is better than the average right. person in China. So, but it's concerns over relative gains. We see China rising relative to the United States, mm-hmm. and that makes us concerned. That makes us think that we're in decline. Right. When really we're both rising, we're not declining. Right. So I think that is such a, a misconception mm-hmm. in what's driving a lot of of this, um, you know, America make America great again thing. Right. Is a mis is a mis definition mm-hmm. a misconception of where america st- is in the world relative internationally right. and just because somebody is gaining relative to us doesn't mean that we are in decline right or we have any less power than what we did mm-hmm. before mm-hmm. um so that's i think that's kind of the last thing i, wa- I okay. really wanted to i really wanted Matt? to touch on well, no, that's, that's any last thoughts for that i mean I could always ramble on for China for days, but that's pretty much... You love China? No, I do. I, d- I love China, but... <laughs> All right. Well, yeah. if you're still listening after <laughs> that international politics episode, uh, I kind of wanted to shift gears. Um, I wanted to talk about sports a little bit because Jake and I both d- talk about sports, but I think it's something that you're also passionate about, I Matt. do love sports. I love games. Um, so at this point, we're, r- we're removed from... The NBA. Yes. Um, the Warriors What's won the championship. What's even champ- happening now? The Warriors sports. won the championship. Um, 
and Matt, before we started recording, you had mentioned that uh, LeBron did the post-game press conference mm-hmm. in a cast, yeah. and it came out that his hand has been broken since game one. Yeah. What are your thoughts on that? I mean, like, I get toughing it out, mm-hmm. and 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 uh, a lot of people were mad that he played. Well, which was how, you, how did he break it? True. My guess is... No, you don't know? Extracurricular activities. No, he, he punched um, a whiteboard after JR botched the game one. Oh, is that really why? He I punched was? something and broke it. Oh, so now you're going to play mm-hmm. injured in the NBA Finals because you got emotional? To be fair, he did really well. LeBron? Yeah. He was super passive. He, I was watching the whole time, and this entire playoff... I don't know this all the entire playoffs. I've been watching LeBron. He's been playing phenomenal. I've not ever seen him shoot as well from three the way he's been yeah. shooting. But in the finals, he was passive and yeah. he wasn't shooting. Other than in game one, yeah. Well, before won. he broke his hand. Yeah, he broke his so hand. the whole time I'm thinking, what is going on? And after game four, I was. I was talking so much crap about how passive he was, about how he wasn't shooting it anymore, and just his effort level was just zero. Mm-hmm. And then it comes out that his hand was broken, and I mm-hmm. felt a little bad for kind of crapping on him so hard. What What do you think, Jake? I think that I I don't doubt that it was broken. Right. I question his choice to show up at the press conference with a cast you sound okay Stephen a after you got (laughs) after you got swept right you it almost just seems it he could have waited 10 minutes gone out to his car put the cast on okay instead of drawing it instead of drawing attention to it Mm. why if you were able to play three full nba finals games with a broken hand you can get through a press conference without a cast okay but the 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 idea is here's an athlete who spends 1.5 million dollars to keep his body in the shape that it's in the second that he can cast it why wouldn't you you need to start recovering yeah and what you sound like is what I hear everybody else saying now that he's trying to control the narrative. And oh, I think that's exactly what he's trying to do. What? Go away! He no is, way! He is one of the most passive-aggressive athletes. He is. He is, and I agree. But I think this is. It might have been a big. He's wanted to control the narrative from behind the scenes everywhere he has gone, and the only person who didn't let him okay. get away with that was Pat Riley, and that's why he left Miami. For, okay, I'll give you that. I don't know if that's why he well, left Miami. If you but look at Tyron Lue's face, the entire files, it's, it, he looks like... Tyron Lue's an idiot. He is an idiot. Well, <laughs> he's a mouth breather. He's, he's LeBron's guy. Right. LeBron yeah. put him in there cause yeah. he's, because he, he, would, he would let LeBron coach the team. Coach the team. Right. Yeah. Right. Well, I mean, I keep hearing that he's trying to... And I do agree that he's good at... You know, controlling certain narratives, but I mean, I don't... The GOAT narrative, he has to be. I don't necessarily agree with with having to put the cast on. If his hand's broken, it's broken. No matter when it would have come out, it would have changed the way that people viewed his performance in the finals. Yes, and if it came out that it was broken and I never saw the cast... At right after he got swept mm-hmm. and was talking about how, you know, Kevin Durant was, you know, the f- this phenomenal player. And mm-hmm. really, co- I mean, I don't know. I felt like he gave up after game one. Game four. Okay. So I yeah, said I that. I said that same thing to um, 
Jen's cousins uh, and I are all in a text together, and I was saying the same thing about actually like, he gave up when J.R. Smith botched it because yeah. he didn't show up for That's overtime. What I'm Oh, I didn't see. He the didn't overtime. show up. He did not show up for overtime. He uh-huh. passed in overtime. Really? They missed their first five shots, and they were down like nine zero in the first like two minutes of overtime. Yeah. So I was saying the same thing about effort, and you know those um, Jen's cousins were kind of giving me crap. One in particular, Matt. <laughs> he was saying that you know he's exhausted. He is exhausted. And he, w- I think that that played a huge part in it. I don't disagree with Matt. I think that um, Jen's cousin Matt. I think there he has a point, but I mean. I don't know. Do you feel bad for J.R. Smith? No. No. J.R. Smith was completely checked out. Yeah, I don't know why. Like, wh- I, I I don't know why you wouldn't know what the score was of the game. You you had he's one he of seven from the field at that point. Yeah. The one thing that you need to be able to do is no no score in yeah. situation. If you're not doing anything else. Yeah. N- yeah. At least no time score yeah. in situation. So he was tweeting. I, there's some. Okay, this is me out of touch with mm. some things that are going on but i guess there's some rap battle between two rappers going on oh drake and yes yeah, i dude. knew you would know no i knew i don't, <laughs> I don't know the other guy who, right is it push a t uh, maybe i don't know who the it's hell pu- i think is. it's push a t and drake because <laughs> well, i know what's drake, his name push a t yeah no i think oh. well no drake and meek mill i knew had beef like right a year or so ago but now, but this, now that's like the one that's going t. on i think it's push t don't anyway so during the finals J.R. Smith said mm. something like he tweeted something like who y'all got Drake or Pusha T and everyone was like moron pay attention to the finals this was after game one mm. so everybody's already annoyed for him just completely screwing up yeah. so I, I mean I saw something else that said like LeBron's excited for agents for free agency because Kevin loves broken and J.R. Smith is just checked out yeah which what do you think, I mean who knows where but, do you think LeBron's gonna go Jake and I talked about this a little bit, uh, a little bit two episodes ago. What I got th- I got one more thing to add about LeBron, okay. really quick. Okay. He created that mess in Cleveland, and he's going to walk away from it. That th- he did that last time. Yeah. Not not in Cleveland. In well, Miami. well, what? No, a bit of Miami. No, 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 not really in Miami because I mean he left the same time Chris. I mean, he, Chris Bosh was done. He physically yeah, couldn't yeah, play I anymore. I wish he could come back. Um, Bosch, yeah. And he knew du- he knew Dwayne Wade was slightly over the hill. Who? Dwayne Wade. That's not what you said. I try to say D Wade, but I try to, and <laughs> I Dwayne. 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 D Wade. Yeah. D Wade. <laughs> Dwayne Wade. Yeah. And, yeah. Um, no, that they Mario were Mario Chalmers was 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 crap. They did nothing to address the point guard situation when he right. was there. Um, but he he wanted the trade for J.R. Smith and Amon Shumpert from the, yeah. from the Knicks. Yeah. He brought those in on ridiculously bad contracts. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He couldn't get along with Kyrie Irving. He didn't do really yeah. do anything to keep Kyrie there. Yeah. Kyrie couldn't stand to play with him because of how passive aggressive he is. Right. So Kyrie Irving leaves. They get Isaiah Thomas, who then LeBron can't play with, mm-hmm. completely shuns on the court, mm-hmm. treats like crap. Mm-hmm. That's, I mean, that's a guy who was an MVP candidate the year before yeah. Isaiah Thomas was. He was like top four or five okay. voting. Yeah. Okay, <laughs> not real candidate. Okay. But this guy was an all-star. Right. He, he was, was an all-star point it. guard. He was yeah. a really good point guard for Boston. That doesn't work. So then he brings in, they bring in, they trade, they in, in Jay Crowder, that's what they got back right. for Kyrie Irving and a first-round draft pick. Yeah. A good haul. But he does, can't make it work with Jay Crowder, can't make it work with Isaiah Thomas. They ship them off and then bring in Rodney Hood, Jordan Clarkson, Grant Hill, George Hill. George Hill. George Hill. I miss Grant. Hill. And what's his I name? I love that guy. Nary Lance. 
Yeah, and Lance. Uh, Larry Lance, Nance. Larry Nance Jr. We're all abysmal. In the Larry, Larry Nance Jr. is not going to be anybody than a role player in the in the in the regular season. Mm-hmm. I mean, that guy will never be anything more than that. He's not. Did I say Nary Lance? I think no. you said Nary Lance. <laughs> <laughs> Larry Nance. Yeah. Um. I mean, I whatever that guy's on a on a, like a cheap deal. Yeah. Jordan Clarkson though is due twenty six million dollars. Yeah. They can't move that contract. Yeah. George Hill is making seventeen million dollars a year. Mm-hmm. They can't move that contract. Mm-hmm. And Rodney Hood's like got two or three more deal years left on his deal. Mm-hmm. They are cap strapped, especially with Kevin Love. Yeah, they've got nowhere to go. Those are all his moves. Is Love free agent? No, oh. he's still uh, controlled. What position does uh, Clarkson play? Clarkson is a point guard. Yeah, but he really is because kind of like a, a a tweener. He can play both. He can play two. both on and yeah. off the ball. But he's a sixth man guy. He's not a starter. So you're saying. He's gonna. He constructed that team. Now he's bailing. Yeah. Yeah, because because he he thinks he's a front office guy. Right. I don't because care. He thinks because he assembled Dwayne Wade and Chris Bosh right. in Miami that somehow he's some front office guru. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But do not people not remember that the first year Miami was together they failed abysmally. Right. They made it to the finals. They lost to uh, Dallas. They lost to a Dallas team they should have not have lost to. But <sighs> disagree because I'm glad they did. Dirk was playing out of his not mind. Not only Dirk. Jason Terry Jason was Ter- draining yeah. him. JJ Barea. Yeah. Barea wasn't on that team. Yeah, he oh, was. Yeah, he was. was he? Yeah, yeah. he was oh. killed. Tyson it. Chandler in the Tyson middle. Chandler oh, in the middle Tyson was Chandler. Good that yeah. And they still had Jason Kidd. Too. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah and that was, was also huge. playing out of his mind. So, what's your point about him bailing on that team he constructed? Well, he's going to, I mean, I don't feel bad for Dan Gilbert in any way, okay, shape, good. or form. But I hate this narrative that. Well, LeBron had nothing around him. Well, LeBron put nothing around right. him. Right. And he's leaving the people of Cleveland again, which really sucks for the people of Cleveland. Well, and what you're saying is he ina- alienated the people around him as well. I don't feel yeah. bad for the people of Cleveland. He got them a championship. Uh, shut that's up. That's kind of where I stand. Yeah, shut up. He, he they left. They have a- the Cleveland Browns. I they understand They had the that. Cavaliers that got him a championship. The weather is terrible. Okay. Hey, we'll move out of hey, Cleveland. Hey, <laughs> here's my question. How's Portland doing? Yeah, well, so what I want to say about that, about Cavs real quick, is that he bailed on them, destroyed that city, crushed their hearts, came back, gave them a championship that he promised. I I can't imagine that city has the same reaction if he leaves again. I don't know. That team is going to be a dumpster fire for the next five years. For sure. If he he goes, it's going to be terrible. But... um. We were talking about the top three teams. Mm-hmm. Um, Jen's cousin and I, we o- cousins and I, we always talk sports. But we're talking, and I, th- I think he'll either stay, mm-hmm. go to Miami, go to Boston, and if there's anyone on the West who can, or or, or 76ers is yeah, my right, other choice. Yeah. But if there's anybody on the West who can talk him into coming, it's Greg Popovich. Oh yeah, the Spurs. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. He won't. He won't want to. He he won't want to play I for, agree. A, for a strong coach. I agree. Yeah, that's what I was gonna say. But if there's anybody who can talk him into doing it, it's pop. It's pop. It didn't. He stole the Marcus Aldridge. His from coach us. Popovich's coaching style worked with great with guys like Tim Duncan and um, Manny Tony Ginobili Parker. and Tony Parker. Mm-hmm. It has not worked particularly great with Kawhi Leonard. Well, Kawhi's always it about hurt. it about forced Lamarcus Aldridge to for just sure. quit basketball for sure. It's not going to work with LeBron. Yeah, they're too much of a diva. They're too much. I of a, agree. They're too, they're too diva-ish, and I don't think it works with Pop. Well, they didn't put the system above themselves. 
and that's the problem with the in Spurs. San Antonio. Yeah, absolutely. The, the Spurs, you have if you want to be like the like the Spurs teams of legend. Yeah, you put the system above yourself. Right. I will say that that's what I'm seeing. Exactly what you just said is exactly what I see in Golden State. In Golden State, yeah, I agree. I hate KD. Well, I hate yeah. KD for going there, but prior to KD, that team, it's like when the Spurs played. Miami and they beat Miami that year mm-hmm. with yeah. LeBron down there. I wish that I could rewatch that series. For as far as fundamental team basketball, for God's sakes, that team made Tiago Splitter look like a god. Yeah, they did. because those guys were just playing the right way, mm-hmm. and the way that the Warriors got to where they are is not from attracting free agency free agents other than Kevin Durant. And maybe some other pieces, but they got there by playing phenomenal basketball, constantly moving off the ball, constantly setting screens. Like, the way that they play is so good. And I think that now that they have Kevin Durant, that that style has shifted a little bit Mm -hmm. because now you have kind of someone who needs to to handle the ball a little more, needs to shoot someone you can depend on more, which is yeah. great because in these last final games, we saw them kind of shut Clay and Steph down yeah. and they had Durant to look to. But I think that kind of what you're saying about the Spurs, I think that I saw a lot of that in the Warriors prior to KD, but also a little bit afterwards. And to be fair also, I think one thing that the – I mean, I used to not like Steph Curry and Clay Thompson mm-hmm. just because I hate – super teams and to be fair they didn't come off as a super they team. were they, not a super no, they team were draft, and, and they were no, drafted no, no, and, right no, and don't get me wrong but like the way they were just like dominating teams i guess i guess the domination dominating was i hate teams that just dominate <laughs> um but that being said the way steph curry handled durant now becoming mm-hmm. kind of like the main guy mm-hmm. there and same with clay thompson yeah I have a whole new level of respect for them and, yeah. and admiration for them. I think that Steph should have won MVP, honestly. I was really hoping KD wouldn't win MVP for the finals. finals. Steph yeah. didn't have that one for 14 game. Yeah. Yeah. He probably Because he also MVP. broke the, like, the record for threes in a game. Yeah. That, yeah. So and mean, game four, KD got a triple-double. Yeah. So that yeah. also helped his I, case. You could give it to either one of them. Yeah. And I think that if KD doesn't come to Golden State, they st- they win at least two finals uh-huh. and who knows if houston goes into their arm race mode and brings in chris paul yeah because i would say like without kevin durant golden state doesn't beat houston oh with no, the way no, no. houston's assembled yeah yeah yeah. houston freaking but like you said houston. they constructed themselves to beat this golden state yeah with it, kevin created an, it created an arms race right and who knows if how that how houston looks if katie is still in oklahoma city mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. somewhere yeah. else um if where I think he's gonna go, I oh, I have yeah. I have two spots uh-huh. that I think he's gonna go, and okay. it's it's the the two teams that he can manipulate the most because they're young roster, young talented rosters, without established head coaches. L.A. It's Philadelphia, uh-huh. because they have a young they have a lot of young rosters yeah. who he can mold. Yeah, and really no, I mean Br- Max Brown is not a yeah. Um, Max mean, Brown? It's nah, I don't know his first name. It's yeah. Brown. It's something Brown. Yeah. We'll call him Coach B. Coach Brown. Coach Brown Coach is Brown, uh, Brown. is I mean is that guy's not established yeah and and then uh, the Lakers I thought you were with because uh, uh, he has houses there but the isn't that Isaiah Thomas there yeah but that's an awkward reunion I guarantee <laughs> you for a selfish reason I would love to see LeBron the first time um, uh, Papa Ball pops off yeah about LeBron 
and talks about Lonzo or something uh-huh. in, in disparaging about LeBron. And LeBron walks up to Magic and goes, "You're trading his ass right now." Yeah. And Lonzo's on a sh- uh. like is on a like is on a flight to. I feel m- bad for Lonzo, uh, like Memphis or something. <laughs> Don't. No, it's his dad. Don't. Brett Brown is his name. Brett Brown. Yeah. Thank you. No, his dad is the one called. Well, I want to get into Lonzo that in a Baldwin second, but dude. where do you think if LeBron leaves, where do you think he's going? I had a very similar jig. I thought Philly was number one. Uh-huh. Just because if you look at, it was more look at the people around him. You have a strong center in Joel Embiid. Yeah. Um, what's that guy's name? Um, ben Simmons. Ben Simmons. Yeah. I was going to say a 6'10 Rivers. point guard. Yeah. 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 Who can dude, attack? I'm, I'm saying, and then you put LeBron in that. Yeah. I think that's a great, combination i mean especially the shooting lebron yeah yeah and you yeah. have and you have wings yeah dario yeah. saric Rob, yeah. robert covington who yeah. can knock down th- i think those JJ are Redick. a great combination Ooh, yeah Redick. plus yeah plus having a weaker a weaker coach who has to take the back seat yeah i think these are things that at least would if you look at it just purely on face value yeah it looks like a great setup and it's in the east and it's in the east i think that he kind because of wants the west to stay is in the east. The West is a freaking yeah. beast. Philly got to a second round and honestly should have beaten Boston. Yeah. yeah. Without LeBron, you put LeBron on that's a that's a clear yeah. ticket to the final. Because who do you have to beat to be who do you have to beat to win the East? Boston. Tor- Toronto. Boston, right. Toronto who just fired yeah. Dwayne Casey, which I thought was a terrible move. Yeah, he got signed. And then promoted By from who? within. He got signed. Yeah, where did he go? D- uh Detroit, right? Yep. Yeah. yeah. Ooh, which is a good move because good move. they're uh what's it called? Um, what was our coach's name? Stan Van. Yeah, he uh, he's too hard on those guys. Yeah, yeah. his coaching style uh, is a dinosaur in yeah. this league. Yeah. yeah, and also Blake Griffin's still there, so I mean, yeah. you, c- you can maybe do something. Oh, which I'm still su- money. I'm still surprised Clippers sent him. Ugh. That was personally, dumb. I don't, I don't like their backcourt. I don't like Reggie Ooh. Jackson. Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. yeah. And yeah. um, they've got who else is there? Um, yeah, I don't, I don't like their core. The guys that they traded to. Clippers, Tobias Harris. Yeah, I would not have given him no. a nope. nope. But well, and Avery Bradley. Yeah, so Bradley for yeah. sure. Yeah, that was a bad choice. So, Sixers. Sixers was my number one. I, I almost disagree with myself for my number two. <laughs> okay, you got Houston. an internal conflict. Was no. Houston? If no, he goes to Houston, I'm this. out. Purely for this, because he knows they can win. Yeah. That's the only. No, reason I why. agree. Because that's my he's shitting the bed because he's getting older. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's going to be kind of like Miami Part Two, except uh. instead of with Bosch and Wade, it's James Harden and Chris Paul. I don't think they'll and fit Chris together well. And Chris is like well. his best friend. Yeah, I don't think they'll fit together well. Yeah, I think it'll be a shit show. I, I think I, I think D'Antoni could figure it out. Yeah, yeah. I think I, I mean if he goes there, it's Western Conference Finals every year. Is yeah. it the NBA Finals? That's the problem. I don't think they can. Well, no. If you put LeBron, Harden, and Chris Paul together. I think that's that comma that with Eric State. Gordon, yeah, with that, Trevor Ariza. Can you, can you afford yeah. a Trevor Ariza and yeah. Eric right, Gordon? Right, right. The thing is, unless people take significant pay cuts to win Chris Paul already said he wants a max deal. Yeah, yeah. so you're going to have three max deals. Three max deals. You're and, not going to have and Eric Harden. It's going to get a super max. Yeah. yeah. You're not going to get Eric Gordon, and you're not. I, gonna I get can't Trevor see him Ariza. going there. If he does, that uh, that the only reason why I said Houston was because to win, to win. Well, and Kobe just came out and said he's got to figure it out if he wants yeah. to win. It's on him to figure out what he needs to do to win. Yeah. Um, I think it's Philly. No, I think it's Philly. I don't think he go. I don't think he goes back to Miami. What about Boston? Oh. Kyrie's no. there. He's not going. To what Boston. if they get rid of Kyrie? What if they get rid of? They're Gordon not getting Hayward? rid of. They're not getting rid of. Kyrie. They just made it to the Eastern Conference Finals if, without Hayward and Irving. If no. I'm not, if I'm Boston, I don't know if I want him. 
Who? LeBron? LeBron. No, yeah. I, you've got wings that are developing. Yeah, I Tatum agree. Tatum is I a agree. beast. And oh, yeah, one of, either Brown or Tatum is going to the bench if he comes. Yeah, I agree. But you also tell me this. They have, they went to the Eastern Conference Finals without sorry without oh, Kyrie Irving yeah. and Hayward. Put them in the game, and what happens? They're in the finals. It's a waiting game. Yeah. Until it's basically the league is in a is in a, all the thirty one teams are in a holding pattern, waiting to get waiting for uh, waiting for the the clock to expire in Golden mm-hmm. State. Who has the young cores that right. can be there to strike when Golden State finally breaks yeah. up? You know. In that, in that, honestly, right now it's it's um it's Philly and it's Boston, mm-hmm. and Philly I think is it would mortgage their future mm-hmm. with a chance for LeBron. For I don't sure. I don't think Danny Ainge with his foresight yeah, yeah. is willing to do that. Okay, may I ask a question? Yes, you may. <laughs> do you think there's a possibility that Clay Thompson or um, Kevin Love would ever go to Portland because they're from? Clay's not leaving Golden State. Okay. And, and uh, Love says he doesn't want to play here. Which is bizarre. No, I also like I the hometown so. the hometown folks. You don't think it's bizarre? He, he loved no, I don't think it's bizarre. Oh. Because no, this is what I'm saying. Put Dame, Clay Thompson, and Kevin Love on a team. We need one solid piece, I think. If you gave us Clay, dude, it's fucking it's gonna be great. He plays the same position as CJ. I know, but honestly, if you who also do you take, take CJ or Clay? CJ, I take Clay. Oh no, CJ can create create his own shot and he so can catch can and shoot. I saw in the finals he, was he got embarrassed in the finals. Oh, not finals. Um, <laughs> Eastern Conference Finals. If you if you brought in Clay Thompson and you got rid of CJ McCollum, you would have no one who could shoot a mid range jump shot on this right, team. Right, right. <clears throat> you'd have all spot up you shooters. You need a mid range. You'd have one guy who can slash. And that's Damian Lillard. Yeah. And you'd have all guys who are statues on the three point yeah. line. What yeah. are we gonna do about um? Oh, what's his face? Uh, Nurk. Yeah. Yeah, I think he's going back to Bosnia. Back to Bosnia. Yeah. Really? Is yeah. That, is that possible? I think that's what I heard. That he's been talking to the Bosnian team and the coaches over there. Honestly, like, wow. Because he's he's a free agent at this point. I think. Yeah, he's going to make more money in the United States. Yeah, I think he's talking about going back though. So I mean, we're we're going to be in a bit of a pickle. Yeah, everyone says kind of get ready to just. For Portland fans to be patient, we're patient. We've been patient. We've seen. Yeah. We've demonstrated every, every patience. And and Paul Allen has done being patient too. Everything I've but read. But is Damian Lillard patient? No. No. No one is. Nobody except the GM bro, and Neil O'Shea. I don't. Ugh. Is 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 patient? Yeah. And he's only patient because he knows he has. That's like the only way he can spin. Yeah, 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 yeah. He can spin this dumpster fire of yeah. a roster yeah. and keep his job. Yeah. But I don't Paul Allen has said he's not going to tear this down paul allen said he he is he is done rebuilding which i don't see how you can what say do you that do? yeah what do you do at this point like you're just going to keep placing band-aids oh. in in your I'd, one and done in the playoffs i God, wouldn't blame yeah, dame for leaving if he was able to i don't think dame's going to leave but i think that he's going to get more and more vocal about how unhappy he is yeah well he has to be because i mean you can't be surrounded by the 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 Myers Leonard's and the Evan Turner's, Evan Turner's of the world, <laughs> and be like, because that's still that was such a panic move. Yeah, was like, okay, we lost we Chandler Parsons, anybody. which to be fair, he turned out to be a dead in, right, in Memphis, right? And we signed him to a stupid contract right. for averaging what eight point two points a game, yeah, and yeah. like six rebounds. Yeah, oh, I don't think he that's averaged, worth. I don't think he averaged six yeah. rebounds. No, <laughs> that's worth like. 
40 million like three rebounds. I think Nurk averaged six rebounds. Yeah. yeah. Turner wasn't. No, I, I, no, those are st- those stats were all I know is his points were eight points. Let's trade Turner back to Boston. The the, for thought, pro- the thought process oh, behind the thought process behind the Turner signing was that he he's he can he's an on the ball wing. Yeah. Who who can penetrate and handle the ball with the second unit yeah. when Dame or CJ are off right. the floor. He's, a, take, he's take an okay pre- defender, too. To take pressure off of the, the primary ball handlers. Yeah. That clearly has not worked. His no. assists no. are abysmal. Yeah. Um, he, he turns the ball over yeah, a lot. He, 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 he does not have plays. good court vision. And I think that's because partly it's not his fault. I think it's partly the fact that he's a he's a square peg in a round hole mm-hmm. um, what, trying what to be fit into a round hole. He His... What they need for Tur- Turner's numbers, he was more efficient when he was coming off the bench when Harkless was in the starting lineup. Yeah, down I that agree. stretch, that's because he can come in and play his natural what he his to his strengths yeah. with the second unit and a post up position where he can shoot mid range jumpers. In the starting offense, he's being asked to shoot three point shots yeah, in yeah. space to floor. That's not his. Yeah, that's not his strength. It's never been his strength, but it's something he's being forced into a because of his con his contract would right, necessitate right. him being in a starting lineup to make it worthwhile to the ownership. Yeah, and with, how does that make sense? It doesn't pay that's, him that much to come off the bench if that's where he's successful. Yeah, but this is I mean we're talking about Neil O'Shea, who is the master of yeah. spin. That guy is. Oh, I yeah. think we need to get rid of him. But Harkless, when Harkless is in there starting, I like Harkless better. I like I like what he does out there. I like what he adds to that starting lineup. I don't care how much he's getting paid, how little he's getting paid, compared to Turner. Turner needs to come off the bench if yeah, he's going to be on this team. Yeah. Harkless is making a ten million ten million dollars a year on a four year deal. Yeah, that's a very good team friendly yeah. deal. Especially in, to, with, in today's market, mm-hmm. with what his skill set gives you. Plus, he's only twenty three. Right. He's only twenty three, which I, means he's going to. You get know who's ready. also only twenty three? Me. So I respect him. <laughs> what? I'm twenty three. Yeah, you to, are. To a baby your boy. point about Damian Lillard not leaving, I don't think he ever asks for a trade. Right. But if the contracts come off the Turner contract, the Myers contract, they come off the books in two years. Mm-hmm. You'll you'll have cap flexibility in two years if you can just get to it. The problem is, is that Lillard only has one year left on his contract after those two contracts come off the books. So you've got one year, one year to prove to Damian Lillard that you can build a winner. Mm-hmm. And if Damian Lillard is still, if, sorry, Damian, if Neil O'Shea is still GM. the GM at that point, do you really trust him? No. no. The point. It, the problem is, is that with th- these. Portland is never going to attract a top-tier free agent. Right. The only way you can do it is with trades of teams who have good players that are looking to rebuild mm-hmm. and want to ship these mm-hmm. guys off. Yeah. Ship off bad contracts so Portland takes on bad money but for a good player. That's the only way Portland's ever going to get yeah. better. You don't have that flexibility to do that right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because we you don't have movable pieces that you're willing to move because Neil O'Shea has said he's not willing to trade C.J. McCollum or Damian right. Lillard. So our only true trade trade assets are untouchable. Right. We have nothing left to yeah. offer a team like Chicago for Miracic, right. who then goes and kills you in the playoffs. Yeah, destroys Miracic should have been in Portland. Yeah. There is no excuse for Miracic not being in Portland because he would have been the perfect fit for this offense. For sure. What would you say? Why don't we run the Portland Trailblazers? The three of us? Yeah. Dude, not only that, but why don't we run the world with the Coalition of the Willing? The Coalition of the Willing. Willing. Um, This has been fun. Matt, thank you for being our first guest. Thanks Thanks for having me. Yeah, thank you so much for coming. And if you're still listening, thanks for still listening. Uh, We nerded out on politics and uh, sports like we always do, but we appreciate you guys listening and uh, keep uh, every Thursday... um, 
we come out with new episodes so stay tuned follow us on social media and we love you thank you kisses i say visit your local extra mile oh that was old (laughs) (laughs) oh god i forgot about that another story for another podcast Anyway.